0: Hi, this is CognitionX's podcast series where we look at the impact of AI and emerging technology on industry, government and society. I'm Charlie Muirhead. And I'm Tabitha Goldstorb, And this episode is a COGX Festival Special. In June 2019, we were honoured to bring together 20,000 visitors who came to hear from over 600 speakers across 12 stages in the heart of King's Cross. Our mission is to bring clarity and help ensure responsible deployment and really move the conversation forward. We believe that AI has enormous opportunity for everybody, business, society, the planet. But only 12% of people think that technology has helped society. We won't reap the benefits of AI if we don't avoid the risks of AI. Organizations and individuals developing, deploying, or operating AI systems should be held accountable for their proper functioning. I'm Julian Harris from X, and in this COGX special episode, we explore a very inspiring new development in the UK public sector, NHSX. It's been described as the largest digital transformation program of health and social care in the world. The CEO, Matthew Gould, shares his insights on his tour in the field. Talking to clinicians, patients, and other staff on-site across the country, he found a couple of important insights. First, that NHS staff suffer from a range of acute time and resource pressures, so putting staff out of jobs is quote-unquote a ludicrous option. And second, that AI already has proven successfully to help alleviate these pressures, particularly by arming diagnosticians with better quality information and faster. And finally, NHS has a vast array of data that's simply not connected. Gould wraps up by talking about his vision to address these. First, Open standards for safe and secure data transfer so clinicians can do their jobs better and patients have a safer and more timely experience. Secondly, creating a platform for third parties to safely innovate, including programmatic APIs for safe and secure access to data. This content was originally recorded on day three of COGX 2019 on the health stage, sponsored by NHSX. It's
1: excellent to be here, but actually what I'd quite like to do is go back to Wednesday last week when I was being shown around and spending time with Watford General Hospital. And I'm spending this month, before I start as chief executive full-time, going around the NHS, going around social care, seeing hospitals, GP surgeries, mental health trusts, ambulance services, pharmacists, dentists, opticians, and trying to see as much of the health and social care world as I can. So I was at Watford General which is a hospital which is, frankly, just starting the the journey of digitization. But they showed me something which was really impressive, slightly surprising, which is in their cardiac unit, they showed me that they were using an AI system called HeartFlow. I was really blown away. What it does is it takes the result of a patient's CAT scan and sends it off, the data has... Uh, de-identified, has an algorithm applied to it, is sent back, and the system works out the flow of blood through all the different bits of all the pipes, and it saves huge amounts of time, saves lots of further examinations, it saves the patient coming in repeatedly, it gets results faster, and therefore more safely, more cheaply, and creates better outcomes. The the benefits were obvious to the clinicians, to the patients, to the hospital. The clinicians I spoke to were really happy to be using it. This was, for me, a really nice example of a bit of technology which had been well and smoothly introduced, where the clinicians, far from being resistant, far from displaying all the attitudes which people talk about in terms of of being conservative and risk-averse, could instantly see the benefits and were really happy with it. So that for me was just a moment when the goal was really obvious. Because that moment could be replicated hundreds of times over in different areas, in different contexts, in different specialties, in different parts of the process. And you can start to see, I could start to see what the future might hold. But before I go any further, I just perhaps want to explain how I got here, where I think we need to go, and then how I think we need to get there. So first of all, how I'm here, and what NHSX is. Because six months ago, it didn't exist at all. The point of NHSX is really to do several things differently. And for me, perhaps most importantly, Because it is a joint unit of the Department of Health and Social Care, NHS England, NHS Improvement, working very closely with NHS Digital, it has an opportunity to pull together all the levers in the system so that they align in a way that has been difficult to achieve before. Because the system has long been filled with brilliant, committed people, But by having powers disaggregated into different bits of the system, budgets in one place, regulatory powers in another, incentives and commercial uh, structures in a third, it's meant it's been quite difficult to make sure everything is aligned to try and achieve the same result. We have a chance with the creation of NHSX to make sure that with those powers aligned, we spend our time actually trying to achieve the goal that we've been set rather than manage an impossibly complex system. And then secondly, as the Secretary of State, Matt Hancock, has said, he wants NHSX to be a place where health tech, the sector, can meet the NHS and they can come together. And he's also made clear that he wants NHSX to be an organisation which focuses single-mindedly on the user, making sure that the product benefits and is uh, easy to use and designed for the people using it. And that is the reason why we're NHSX. That is the, the X in our name. And if you haven't seen it already, we've got a, a stand in the expo. I think it's stand seven. Please visit us. Uh, there's a survey which we're running about uh, what, your, what AI you're developing, what AI you've deployed. Please, if you haven't filled that in, Please fill that in. So that's NHSX. But let me just explain why I'm here. So I've come at this from a slightly odd journey. I was uh, ambassador in Israel for five years where I saw what an incredibly vibrant, intense tech ecosystem looks like. Um, I came back. The last four years, I've been doing digital policy for the government where I got immersed in AI and data From the policy perspective, my team in DCMS set up the Center for Data Ethics and Innovation. We set up jointly with Bayes the Office for AI. We worked incredibly closely with Tabitha at COGX and set up the AI Council. We put together the AI sector deal. I don't need any convincing about the potential for AI to achieve amazing things, or about the need to make sure that that potential is realized in the context of rules and norms that give people, users, clinicians, the citizen, confidence in how it's being used. But there's another bit of my journey I wanted to mention as well, and it's why I, one of the key drivers why I took this job, which is um, last year uh, my wife had breast cancer and we went through the NHS, as a patient. And I went through with her. And we saw close up the brilliance of the NHS, the absolute commitment of the staff, the extraordinary thing that is the principle behind the NHS, top quality healthcare, free at the point of delivery. But we also saw ropey systems. We also saw clinicians battling with their tech. We also understood then, as we waited and waited for things, how incredibly valuable it would be, for example, to be able to have a quick, accurate reading of a mammogram. So that's the background. Let me just set out where I think we need to go. First of all, I think there's a massive piece around making sure that uh, patients get what they need from the system in terms of data. We need clearly, obviously, I think it's something everyone agrees with, systems that can speak to each other, so that my wife's oncologist at St Albans can see the notes from her GP surgery in Watford, and vice versa. This is not a question of just of convenience or efficiency. It's a question of basic patient safety. I was shadowing in A&E operation in a hospital, on Thursday and a woman came in uh, to the resus unit um, and she was in a pretty terrible state but she had in her hand, she was clutching a bunch of discharge letters from the last time she was in hospital and frankly it was only because she was clutching those letters that the consultant I was shadowing was able to look at them and say, ah that is the cause for what's going on with her um, oxygen saturation levels and was able to tailor the treatment accordingly. Now, had she been unconscious, or had she not had the presence of mind to grab those discharge letters and hang on to them in the ambulance, the treatment would would have been the wrong treatment because the clinician wouldn't have been able to know precisely the condition that he needed to treat. So it was, for me, an incredibly vivid example of, or uh, illustration of why making systems speak to each other is fundamentally about patient safety. We need clinicians to be able to access patient data wherever they are in the system, safely and reliably. And to do that, we need an architecture for the system so that data can sensibly flow around it. But it's not just data for patients, as you will know more than anyone, it's data for research as well. Patient data used safely, de-identified or however we do it, but in a way that allows innovators, researchers, the sector to be able to develop products to make the NHS better, safer and more efficient. But if we're going to be able to do that, that requires us to put in place a bunch of stuff that isn't necessarily there at the moment. First off is obvious, it's access to that data, which goes back to the architecture, goes back to the way that systems talk to each other that data can flow safely. Secondly, we need to do a whole lot better at curating the data. People talk rightly about the fact that the NHS contains an extraordinary, I mean, unique in global terms, longitudinal data set, and it does, it's a, it, it has the potential to be an extraordinary asset, but at this stage it's only the potential, because as anyone who has worked with that data will know, that data is not curated to a degree where it is, can be easily used, it is not consistent, it's not done according to the same open standards, it's not recorded consistently to a high enough quality. And then there's a third piece as well that we need to get right if we're going to make sure data can be used for research, and that is public support for the mission. And this has fallen down at times in the past because it's been misdescribed, because it's gone off in difficult directions. And unless we can have a public debate, we can talk about what we're doing, we can wrap rules and parameters around what we're doing in a way that gives the citizen confidence the citizen may well withhold that public support and that will make the the project fail. So I think I and my team, Indra, uh, who'll be joining me on the panel in a moment, and the rest of the team understand the incredible importance of keeping the public with us. And then if we can get the, the data piece right, you can layer on top of it all sorts of exciting uses for AI. AI that can be used in ways that will improve patient safety, improve outcomes, help clinicians do their job, help the NHS bridge that yawning gap that's opening up in the future between demand and resource. The potential is absolutely vast. I was very struck as I go round the NHS hearing from clinicians not just that they want access to the data, if they're there on the ward, they want to be able to see the GP record, but they also want help navigating it. They don't want a vast amount of data just dumped on them. They want some intelligent support in that. So AI can help them at that point as well, make sure that they get the right information at the right time. Image analysis. I talked about my wife and uh, mammograms, but the potential for AI to help relieve some of the acute pressures in um, uh, analysing images is really obvious. But we've got these massive hurdles to overcome as well. The hurdle of making sure that the data is configured in a way that allows the AI to operate. Attitudes that will allow us to deploy this with the support of clinicians and the public. And, and it's worth saying, procurement models that actually make it possible to deploy the technology as well. I was very struck when I looked at HeartFlow, talking to the guys at Watford General, that if they weren't careful, if they didn't come to an arrangement with their local CCGs, that though it would improve outcomes, though it would improve patient safety, though it would make the lives of doctors and patients easier, the hospital could actually end up being penalised for using it, because they were going to do fewer procedures as a result of it. And that is a procurement model which is not working as it should. So what are we going to do about all this? On procurement, Simon Stevens, the NHS chief executive, last week issued a call for evidence for how we can do this better, how we can create models of procurement so that we do actually find ways to reward innovation that helps rather than procurement structures which make it even harder to deploy. We need to create an environment in which AI and uh, data innovation can flourish by creating the rules that allow it to flourish, the incentives that make it worth developing, the public support and the clinician support that understands what it is we're doing and likes it. In NHSX, we have said that our approach is going to be focused single-mindedly On standards and platforms. I'm very conscious as I uh, stand up to head this new organisation of the risk of central bloat. I don't want to create an organisation at the centre which is getting bigger and bigger. My job is actually to support the system but I do think there are two jobs in particular that we ought to be doing. One is to be the guardians of and the enforcers of open standards that will make sure that systems can talk to each other, that interoperability isn't just a buzzword, but something which is built in to everything we do. And secondly, in platforms, to do the stuff at the centre that it makes sense for the centre to do, because otherwise you're just getting a whole load of different systems being procured or developed, each one doing the same job, replicating across the system. So whether you're looking at something like booking, or screening each of which there are common functions that ought to be pulled together in a common platform, I think that's an approach which makes sense. And then I think what we really need to be doing is creating a platform on which innovation can flourish. Creating through the interoperability, through the open standards, through the rules, through the procurement mechanisms that we develop, a platform on which innovation, which the sector on which you as innovators can know that you can plug in and make your innovation work safely and with consent and in a way that works for everyone. And if we can do that, then I think amazing things can happen. And that means, and this is going to require some self-control from the centre, not us not trying to do everything ourselves. And so I did a blog a couple of weeks ago, which you may have seen, about our approach to the NHS app, in which I said we are not... The NHS app has been brilliantly developed. We've got well over two-thirds of GP surgeries signed up nationally. It has enormous potential. But I've said to the team, though you have done a brilliant job, we are not going to keep piling on functionality into this app we're not going to make it all singing or dancing. We will keep it there, we will keep it going, and there are certain things that I think it makes sense for an nhs own app to do. But what we will also do is use the process of having developed that app to expose the underlying APIs to create an environment in which innovators can themselves develop technology and their own apps that can sit on top safely, using the APIs with consent, and then we can see innovation really flourish. And that is an approach which I hope will underline the way that NHSX does things. And then the last thing we can do to build this future that I've talked about is having a really clear vision of where we want to get to, a vision which we can all share, where doctors... Nurses and dentists and all the other staff in the system know that AI can be fantastically useful to them. Far from risking putting them out of job, which is a ludicrous notion, it can help relieve the acute strain that the system is under. That patients can buy into the vision because they know that this is technology which is making their journey through their system safer and better and making them healthier so I think there's enormous potential I think we know what we need to do and I think with the energy and enthusiasm and commitment of staff inside the system inside my team and inside the sector we can really make progress so thank you very much
0: Thanks for listening. If you found this episode compelling, there are three things we'd love you to do. One, subscribe to our podcast series so you don't miss another episode and please share it with your friends. Number two, if you want to experience COGX yourself, go to cogx.co and register so you hear about next year's event. And number three, if you have any other questions you would like to ask anybody in the community, don't forget to register on cognitionx.com and ask a question on the Global Knowledge Network. Thanks for listening and let's keep moving the conversation forward together.